0: y'all you have to try the intensity by pour moi it's so fun i've literally spent hours with this thing and nothing has ever made exercise more fun pour moi is now offering our listeners an additional 25 dollars off of their intensity when you go to dot and enter promo code s and s at checkout you can use this code along with any other codes on their website for discounts if you haven't heard me ranting about it yet Intensity by moi is a sexual health and stimulation device that tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles and your vagina. It combines pelvic floor health and has both internal and external vibration, so it can help teach you how to have stronger orgasms. Essentially, it helps you learn how to properly perform Kegel exercises and what that's supposed to feel like, and it also has a vibrating component for your pleasure. moi is offering our listeners, again, an additional $25 off of the Intensity when you go to PourMoi.com and enter promo code S&S at checkout. You can use this code along with any code on their website. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I.com and use promo code S-A-N-D-S. PourMoi.com code S&S. And if you like to do other things while you exercise besides orgasm, try out our other sponsor, Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that's entertaining and challenging, and you can choose from over 60 categories, so there's always more trivia to explore. The questions get harder over time, but if you get stuck, don't worry, because you can use those free coins and gems to get a hint and beat that level. And again, right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Again, Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and gems. Download Trivia Star for free today. And remember, the more you support our sponsors, the more you support the podcast because it means that they will advertise again. So please check out these awesome products that I personally vet before I include them on the show. And now back to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's. And- scholars is a sex positive shame free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist, and this week I am welcoming Michelle L'Amour. She is an international award-winning burlesque artist, and she has appeared on America's Got Talent, MTV's Amazingness, Sex Life on the Epics Network, and soon-to-be Sexology on Quibi. Michelle is known as the most naked women, both for her level of undress and the vulnerability she brings to the stage. During the pandemic, she's produced The Quarantine Cabaret, which is awesome if you haven't checked it out and a more risque show called uncensored beyond burlesque although she although she has a viral video with over 10 million views known as Tovin, she's been banned on youtube uh she is oh that's so fucking annoying she is now bringing her years of stage and teaching experience to her all new online class pussy confidence where we will not censor her interview welcome to sluts and scholars
1: thank you so happy to be here i I the last time the first and last time i saw you was at your event. So we can do wonder, which was so, yes. Yeah. That was, thank you so much for coming to it. That was right before everything happened. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we literally squeezed that event right in. I think COVID had like just come up and I got a few messages the night before, like, are you canceling? And no one really knew what was happening yet. So we were like, I, I guess we'll just go ahead and tell people to wash their hands. And it was like the last mm-hmm. in person event that um any of us have attended. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. But I'm happy that it was that event for me. It was really cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it was so nice having you there. And I'm I'm really glad it, it brought us together and um I'm glad that it brought me to your work. So you call yourself the most naked woman, which like, I don't, I would never want to challenge that title for you since you named it. But like, I also love to be naked. Um, but for you, like, what, what does that mean? And, and kind of how does how does your work as the most naked burlesque performer differ from other burlesque performers?
1: Right. So the tagline just kind of happened. Um, my tagline used to be the ass that goes pow. Um, but then <laughs> Does it
0: still, does it still go pow or that's like not happening anymore? Yeah,
1: I mean, it is quarantine, so I'm doing the best I can, but <laughs> we're making it work. But um, yeah, the most naked woman just happened out of, I don't know, an organic accident. Um, I perform and, and would do photo shoots and I didn't have money for costuming. So I would show up naked with heels and feathers and, you know, that was it. Um, so it was just kind of like a means to an end. And at the time other performers were not doing that. They were really wearing like the high waisted vintage retro panties and like really full coverage. And I was wearing like little G strings and what I like to call posties, uh, which are pasties for your pussy. Um, so yeah, so I, I would try to get away with like the smallest thing I could on. Is that like the sort of thong
0: that's just a U shape that like doesn't have anything around your hips? Correct.
1: Yeah. So it's just like a little strip of sparkles. (laughs) Okay. So it
0: started as like a financial thing. You were like, I can't afford all these clothes, so I'm just going to be naked. But then it developed into something more.
1: Yeah. And then, and then it was like, really became about the vulnerability to me and really, really wanting to bring authentic and genuine and sincere sexuality and sensuality to the stage and not being apologetic about it. And with each of my acts, I try to reveal a different side of myself, a different layer of myself. So I like to call that the spiritual striptease. Um, so that, that was the other meeting of the most naked woman. It's just bringing like a new vulnerability to the stage every time.
0: Yeah. Often when I've gone to a burlesque show, I feel like It's very slow stripping of the clothes. And then the end is like, maybe you see, um, some pasties with like some boob jiggling and that, but that's like the final reveal. And it's like very quick. What made you want to do something a little bit different and maybe get naked a little sooner? And then the layers that it sounds like you strip away are more emotional.
1: Right. I mean, I have some acts, you know, that are about eight or 10 minutes. Well, where I only remove about three things and I'm naked for half the time. Um, but I find that it's really fun. It's such a great challenge to keep that interest and that excitement. And even if you are still mostly naked, um, I really enjoy that. And I, I, it's not like I try to strip off as, as quickly as possible. I really love the slow burn. That's one of my favorite things to do. But I also love just reveling in the moment. I love commanding that attention. I love confronting people and being provocative and pushing them in ways that maybe they're not used to. And the last thing that I would want to do is be apologetic on stage. So like you were mentioning, it's like, usually the bra comes off da, 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 and we run off the stage, lights out, forget it. And I'm like, no, take it in everybody. Take it in. <laughs> Yeah. making them stare like
0: into the eyes of your nipples for longer.
1: I see you seeing me.
0: <laughs> I that's true. I mean there's so many different kinds of burlesque out there obviously and if you haven't watched Michelle's stuff definitely look at it for reference but when I think of like classic burlesque something that I think about which you talked about in your in your epic special was the sort of shyness or like coyness that's almost supposed to be like more feminine. So when I think of classic burlesque and something you said in that episode was like, being like apologetic or like surprised when you get naked it's like oops I dropped my panties or like oops I pulled off my you know my glove um but when you do it it's it's a a lot more like dominant you're like I'm fucking taking off my glove and I'm looking at your soul
1: (laughs) yes yes um yeah there is that that, there's that trope in burlesque where it's like, oh, what am I doing? Oh my god! You know, Um, and it's so common, and it's kind of one of my pet peeves. Drives me.
0: Is that because it's like more approachable for for
1: men to view women as like, oh, I'm so shy. You know, I'm not. I think it's. I think it kind of works both ways. You know, I I also teach burlesque, and I have mentored a lot of people throughout my career, and really just in speaking with them, they feel uncomfortable with that sexuality, which is maybe not what you would expect from a burlesque performer. They're kind of feeling nervous about feeling so exposed because owning that sexuality can be very scary and having that maturity to be still and to really command that stage and take up your space Um, can be really, really scary. Um, But that's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) I love, I love just standing there and staring into souls. Makes me happy.
0: (laughs) Does that come up in your personal life too? Like, would you say you take that same vulnerability persona when you're in your own like personal sexual experience or is it different when you're performing?
1: Yeah, I didn't used to actually. I mean I, I absolutely am now. I am a I am a changed woman for sure. Um but you know when I started out I definitely had a bit of that apology going for me. Um I grew up in a born again Christian family. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest and was pretty conservative and I knew that I was like doing something out of the box that a lot of people could question. And I always felt like I had to work overtime so that people would like me. And I would, I am, well, I used to be a shy person. And, um, so I kind of had that off stage. Like if I wasn't ready to command your attention, I wanted none of it. I wanted no attention. Like I did everything that I could to blend in. How do
0: you go from being a shy person to like turning that on on the stage?
1: <laughs> yeah. So really, burlesque kind of started for me when I was in high school. I I would work in my bedroom and try to figure out how to take off different pieces of clothing. I didn't know it was called burlesque. It wasn't a thing. I just you just figured out it was something you'd like to do. Yeah, I just was like, I was always very obsessed with the idea of what made something sexy and what made something beautiful. And did I have those things? And so it was constantly just an exercise for myself and, um, getting to know my body and my face. And it was really, um, intense work that I didn't know I would be using later. Um, but really once you do that first Strip tease on stage in front of people, there's no going back. <laughs> it's just like more and more and more and more um it has to happen. So Yeah.
0: Well now you're at a point where you're actually teaching a class that sounds so awesome and I can't wait to take it and refer clients to it called Pussy Confidence. Um, so I would, I mean, yes, that's called, that's the class. I know we have folks listening who have many different kinds of genitals and things that they would call their genitals. So let's just say like genital confidence, but the, the class is called pussy confidence. So t- tell
1: me about that. Right. So this class was developed um, a few years ago and I developed it for burlesque dancers to own their sexuality and to own their presence and, um, to own their power. What I didn't realize is that we all need this. (laughs) So when, when I created this, it was during, I was teaching another class and I just shouted because I get really excited when I teach. I just shouted like, I need to see your pussy confidence. I, I had never said those words in my life. And then I was like, Oh, that's really good. Like, I think, I think there's something there. Um, so it really was developed, um, the seed of it for me was developed from something that Martha Graham had said about dancing from your sex. And, and I had read that when I was in high school. And again, like that was a little seed that was planted in me that I didn't really understand at the time. You know, I was in high school. And then, you know, you have those moments where things just click. Um, that was, that was a moment I was like, oh yes, like I need to make a class just about moving from your sex and embracing your power and your sexuality and sensuality. And once I taught the first class for, um, a burlesque festival, I thought, well, there's something here. And then I taught it just here and there. And it was mostly just a movement based class. And for a while, I stopped teaching it completely because I myself wasn't feeling very pussy confident. So I took a break. And then, um, you know, once I got that confidence back, I developed this eight-week class that really talks about stripping off those metaphorical layers, right? The doubt and the fear and the shame and judgment and expectation, everything that we have that is burdening us and keeping us away from our vulnerability and our strength and our power and our confidence. So that that is the class in a nutshell.
0: And how can you tell when you're feeling pussy confident or when you're watching someone that's like genital confident?
1: Yeah. So it's about feeling really grounded. Um, for me, when I when I feel this way, I feel very connected to my ancestors Um, we do talk about goddess worship and ritual in the class and um, just connecting to that and knowing that you have that support behind you I feel like we always feel so alone in our pursuits of um, well-being uh, sexual confidence and we actually have like a a plethora of people to look to to help us along this path.
0: I feel like a lot of people wouldn't say, oh, I think of my family and my ancestors when they're like trying to get into their like pussy and (laughs) you use it.
1: (laughs) No, I'm not thinking of my family at all. And that was actually a, a big thing for me is that people would always talk about like getting in touch with your ancestors. And I was like,
0: no. Like my family, you're like, they are a bunch of Christians. I can't
1: get there. It's not doing it for me. You know, if anything, I, what I have learned from my family, um, is to, is to step in, in the face of fear. And I, the, the women in my family uh, are just steeped in fear and resentment and anger. And that was a lesson to me to not do that. So the ancestors I'm talking about and the ancestors I get inspiration from are not from a family, (laughs) Um, but more like Aphrodite and Venus, Martha Graham, people like that.
0: Your, Your chosen ancestral influences. Exactly.
1: We're all connected. And
0: not that, well, let me put it this way. Not all of my listeners are into all the body stuff, or what some would call the woo woo stuff. And for folks listening who are into that, or who want to learn a little more, you were saying it makes you feel grounded. And for people who do practice like chakra work, our root chakra, the thing that would ground you is located in our like pelvis region. So um, there is sort of a a connection there that you're describing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think as Women, you know, I reference a lot of Audre Lorde, uh, the uses of the erotic, and just that, you know, we've been taught to fear the erotic. And that erotic is such an incredible source of power. It is limitless. It is the well that we can keep going back to when we're feeling tired, when we feel like we just can't anymore, like we just can't fight the fight anymore because it's a fight. You know, you talked about me being banned on YouTube, like women are being censored all over the place and have been, and not so much censoring our, only our bodies, but also our minds and our voices. And, you know, this has been going on forever. And if we can, if we can harness all of our power in our body, instead of disconnecting from it, uh, I think we are unstoppable And on a less serious
0: note, can people still find the like Buttoven video on YouTube or it's just like you're blocked but that videos out there?
1: Well, you know, I haven't looked for it on YouTube, but I remember when it happened that I couldn't post it on YouTube, but other people are posting it. Okay. So for people who don't know the video, I hope you can find it. It's,
0: it's awesome. There's so many other great videos of Michelle online, but this one is, um, moving the butt muscles to the beat of like Beethoven yeah, and it's fucking great. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's on Vimeo, which I know isn't as trafficked as YouTube, but it is on Vimeo and with over 10 million views on Vimeo. So that's pretty good. Well, maybe it needs to be on
0: Vimeo because obviously YouTube has some censorship guidelines that I don't like or agree with. I get like emails every day from videos I've posted on YouTube of like, the age restriction has changed or we've taken your video down from stuff I haven't even looked at for years. It's just always, it's always coming for us. You no, know
1: what? Yeah. And it came with no warning. I, I, I just one day got an email saying I was banned for severe violations, um, but not pointing to anything in particular. Um, so I, I don't really know. My, my guess is this video that I posted, which I knew could be controversial, but I thought, well, if it's a problem, they'll just take that down, not take me out. Um, but the video was a tribute to Andy Warhol's blowjob and Hedy Lamar and ecstasy. So in, in blowjob, you just see a man's head while he's experiencing pleasure and I thought, well, wouldn't that be interesting <laughs> if I did that? Um, so all you see is my head. it's black and white. Uh, there's no sound, and that that was a problem. So I really like you really just see my face reacting. Uh, I mean, you could have been doing
0: anything. You could have been you know reading
1: a comic book. <laughs> like it's really that's, that's really it. But that one is still on Vimeo, but uh it's not on YouTube) <laughs>
0: Okay. So I don't want to give away your whole class because I want people to obviously attend. Um, but what would you say are some steps to beginning the genital confidence journey?
1: Well, first it's about, um, I'm I'm basing the class off of the seven virtues of a courtesan. And instead of using those virtues to, Ensnare someone else, entice someone else. I'm using them as tools for us for self love and self discovery. I'm also um, combining that with layers that we're stripping out of and layers that we're putting on. So every week we have a different focus and um, rooted in history and also my own personal experiences.
0: What's, what are some of the layers of the, the cortisone? Cool book. Yeah. So, it's the, so the
1: virtues are, oh, the virtues, right? Yeah. So we use them as the tools in class, but, um, timing, beauty, cheek, um, gaiety, which is a big one, the ability to receive joy, not only to give joy and pleasure, but to receive it, uh, which is a very difficult thing for a lot of women, um, because we're so used to putting it out, being the hostesses, Mm -hmm. making everybody happy and leaving ourselves disappointed. Um, but really the, the main overarching principle is presence and timing. It's really every, everything goes back to that. Everything goes back to presence and timing. And so that's why when you ask me, you know, how I feel when I'm pussy confident as I feel grounded because I'm present. I love that. I love that you're
0: taking it and applying it to like self sex work, (laughs) like
1: doing it for you. Yeah. That is the key, honestly. So what pushed me over the edge here is, um, we can talk, we can talk about it now or we can talk about it later, but, um, my, my struggles with alopecia that, um, alopecia is a autoimmune disease that causes your hair to fall out. And so as I was experiencing like a really bad bout of it, um, I was at the height of my burlesque career and losing your hair is a really traumatic experience. And yes, people would tell me it's just hair. It doesn't matter. Um, but it did matter and it mattered a lot to, to how I felt about myself and how I felt interacting with the world. And it really, really it made me rethink what it is that I'm doing. It made me find the why and I had lost the why and I need why you do this work, why I do the work, why I think it's important to be on stage because it suddenly started feeling so painful. It was so painful. It just, I felt like a fraud for a few years. I just, I just couldn't make sense of like the work that I was doing because my body was doing all the things it knows how to do to be sexy, right? Quote unquote sexy. But my heart was just breaking into a million pieces and I was breaking open. And so once I finally wrangled the alopecia and I took off the wig and I came out and I said, this is me, this is what's going on. Um, You know, I believe wholeheartedly that vulnerability is strength and that beauty is truth. And I needed to step into that with my whole being. So when I did that, I got my butt back into the studio and just started moving for myself and figuring out what I liked, what, what did I like doing that was sexy, that felt sexy to me and, and really embodied who I was at that time, you know, cause we can just keep going on and on and on, but sometimes we lose the plot and i lost the plot completely so that's what i mean i had to go back and find the why i had to find myself so yes this like self exploration is so important to me and this class definitely brings brings that home
0: Y'all, you have to try the Intensity by Moi. It's so fun. I've literally spent hours with this thing and nothing has ever made exercise more fun. Moi is now offering our listeners an additional $25 off of their Intensity when you go to Pormois.com and enter promo code S&S at checkout. You can use this code along with any other codes on their website for discounts. If you haven't heard me ranting about it yet, Intensity by Pour Moi is a sexual health and stimulation device that tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles and your vagina. It combines pelvic floor health and has both internal and external vibration, so it can help teach you how to have stronger orgasms. Essentially, it helps you learn how to properly perform Kegel exercises and what that's supposed to feel like, and it also has a vibrating component for your pleasure. Pour Moi is offering our listeners, again, an additional $25 off of the Intensity when you go to pourmoi.com and enter promo code S&S at checkout. You can use this code along with any code on their website. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to pourmoi.com and use promo code S-A-N-D-S. Pourmoi.com, code S&S. And if you like to do other things while you exercise besides orgasm, try out our other sponsor, Trivia Star. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that's entertaining and challenging, and you can choose from over 60 categories, so there's always more trivia to explore. The questions get harder over time, but if you get stuck, don't worry, because you can use those free coins and gems to get a hint and beat that level. And again, right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Again, Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and gems. Download Trivia Star for free today. And remember, the more you support our sponsors, the more you support the podcast because it means that they will advertise again. So please check out these awesome products that I personally vet before I include them on the show. And now, back to the episode. I imagine there's like so many nuances to this and we could probably spend episodes on episodes of like uncovering this journey. But you mentioned that growing up, you were this person who was kind of dancing in your room and being obsessed with like, okay, what is beautiful? What makes somebody sexy? And so how was that to first find out that we're losing your hair? And why is hair something that we associate with like sexiness as
1: female bodied people? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, the hair flip is like the ultimate shortcut to sexy, right? Well, but it's like hair in the right places, right? So
0: like no hair on like legs or underarms or genitals, but like hair on the head. Right.
1: Yeah. And lots of it.
0: <laughs> and, and eyelashes yeah. and brows. And like, those are the only acceptable places. Yes.
1: But I, I will tell you in all of this, uh, the hair on my upper lip remained untouched are you serious (laughs) like come on (laughs) is there any upside to like
0: where the hair is lost are you like okay great now i don't have to get my asshole waxed or is it like it grows in all the places you don't want it to like your upper lip
1: yep for sure i still have it in my armpits you know i mean there are and those few chin hairs that grow as we age yeah for sure Yep, still got it. Um, <laughs> yes. What the fuck? Why? <laughs> it's a cruel joke. Um there are there are different levels of alopecia and um so some people do lose completely everything. Um alopecia universalis is what it's called. Um, but yes, I think you asked me a question about uh, dancing in my bedroom.
0: Yeah. Sorry. We got sidetracked by a mustache hair, um, which is happens.
1: Right. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And I'm light skinned and have dark hair. So, you know, imagine my childhood, you can, <laughs> but yeah, when I was younger, so alopecia hit me when I was six. Um, but of course when you're that young, you're not really self-aware, you don't really know what's going on. Um, But, you know, my hair came back and then it fell out again when I was in seventh grade, eighth grade around there, you know, the time when you're like the most self-aware. Were Um, kids really awful about it? Yes. It was not fun. It was not fun at all. And I would spend hours and hours in front of the mirror trying to cover up my spots, which were huge. I mean, there was no covering up. I would try to wear big bows in the back, you know, but it's like, all of this time, yeah, I wasn't getting the attention. Like I didn't have like boyfriends, I didn't go to dances, I didn't like have that experience. So that's what made me so obsessed with beauty and sexuality because I was like, what is it? Cuz like I felt like I had it, <laughs> but like people couldn't see it. Um so I kind of nurtured it for myself and you know, I was I I was a confident kid. Um, even though I was shy, I was confident and I did have friends, but this, this part of me was just like so full of shame. I had so much shame around it and embarrassment and, um, you know, yes, I could have covered things up. You can easily get a wig, you know, that's, that's a thing. Um, however, for me, when I was younger, I had a wig fall off while I was in first grade, and that was a nightmare. And that's why I became completely obsessed with truth. Um, Because I'm like,
0: I'm never lying again. Which is wild to me, because when I think of burlesque, I think of a lot of folks who do a lot of things to look a certain way, but maybe that's not true. I I think there are also folks in the burlesque world who sort of use the thing that they don't like about themselves and like fetishize it. So whether it's like weight or size or whatever, So has that come into play at all where you've kind of used it as like your thing?
1: Oh yeah, it is my thing now for sure. I've, I've definitely, um, embraced it completely. And, um, you know, I've mentioned, I had like a little struggle with glamor and, and for me, it's always asking the question, is it the ultimate truth or the ultimate mask? And that is a question that I will never tire of trying to find the answer. I think it's probably different for everybody. Um, but for me, I had to come to glamor in a way that made me feel good. And that wasn't trying to appease other people. Um, so I'm, I call it glamor. G L apostrophe A M O U R.
0: So that it's like your name.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, so. Good marketing. Good marketing. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So that came about when I, I was backstage. And I usually, when I would do like a classic act, I would put on a wig, you know, and look pinopy or whatever. Um, but I was backstage getting ready, feathers, rhinestones, all the stuff. And I held up a headpiece to my shaved head. And I was like, huh. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, what if I just tape this to my head? So, like, I taped this big feather headpiece to my head. And um, I was super nervous to go out because I know the audience is not expecting anything like that. Um, but I had, I, I loved kind of playing with that juxtaposition of having this hard edged kind of look with this softness of femininity as well. And like playing with that androgyny which i absolutely love androgyny um so much so yeah that's kind of how glamor came to be
0: how did you get to a place where you wanted to be vulnerable about that part of yourself cuz and maybe this is a stereotype but i guess when i think of like famous burlesque performers unless i know them personally i don't really know who they are like there's definitely a stage persona and like an actor like they could be anybody um but you decided to, to share this vulnerable part of yourself? Like how, how, why?
1: I just felt that it was so important for me to speak out about it because I think there is so much pressure, uh, to be perfect and to present a certain kind of look and a certain kind of act to get a certain kind of gig or a show or whatever. Um, yes, burlesque is about empowerment, but there's also the showbiz and entertainment side of it, um, that still, you still kind of fall into these boxes. And for me, I just, I felt that it was so important for me to talk about because I knew that other people were dealing with things as well and their own shit. Yeah. And I just, you know, and whenever I'm nervous about talking about something really personal, it, the only thing that I can think of is like, I'm not the only one. And so many times, again, we feel like we're the only one, we're the only one with these problems, but we're not. And I wanted to let people know like, hey, um, you might think that I am like this because I'm a burlesque performer and you you maybe think I have my shit all together and I have no problems, but guess what? I have problems just like you. And let me talk about it and let me have some like solidarity with you. Um, and let's grow together and change together.
0: How did your dancing change when you came out about this?
1: Um, how did my dancing change? It, it became, maybe it didn't. No, it kind of did. Um, I definitely embraced more of my androgynous side Um, in fact, I do have an act called glandrogyny, um, where (laughs) I, I have a rhinestone, um, dick cane and a rhinestone bowler hat. And it's. It's really fucking fun.
0: <laughs> I need to Google this rhinestone dick cane. That sounds uh, right up my alley. Yeah.
1: It's, it's like one of favorite, everyone needs one. Yeah. It's one of my favorite acts to do. And, uh, it's to Depeche modes. I want you now. It's like a remix. Um, and it's just like dark and sinister. Sounds hot. Yeah. It's like, I kind of took, um, you know, the book tipping the velvet. I don't. Oh my goodness. Get in. I'm, I will write it down right now.
0: What is this book for other listeners who are uh, embarrassed and don't know? Oh my god.
1: Uh, Tipping the Velvet is super sexy. Um, it's by Sarah Waters and it is about uh, a masher. So, like, a woman dressed as a male in the theater, like, vaudeville circuits. And- is that what it's called? It's called Tipping the Velvet. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. The Masher. Oh,
1: yeah. Masher. Mm hmm.
0: Okay. If you can hear me typing, I'm legit writing this down. Everybody write it down.
1: (laughs) No, it is super, super sexy. Highly recommend it. Um, But yeah, it's about a relationship between uh, a masher and like another performer in the circuit and just kind of how they navigate the world. I can't remember like the the era that it's set in, but it's the era of vaudeville, so a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Yeah. laughs> got it. Yeah. So, what about the
0: what about the book Tipping the Velvet resonated with this act? Oh
1: well, I really wanted to embody that masher quality and to bring that into the act. So that was that's always been like an image in my head. And then I was like, what if I just rhinestoned a dick? That'd be fun. And, I, and then, like then it became then it became this act that was uh, very expensive. <laughs> I was gonna say
0: I don't I don't want to assume like how you're doing financially I think everyone's a lot of people are struggling right now because COVID and now that you have maybe more funds than you started out with to like make cool things like rhinestone dick canes like, yeah. how has that changed from the beginning when you were like I can't afford clothes so I'm just gonna be naked <laughs>
1: yeah um well it, it uh, yeah things are things are a bit weird right now but um, yeah, my dream when I started was to have a costumer and and have people to do things like that for me because I am not crafty. I do not enjoy that stuff um, and so I felt it's a lot of work and expensive, yeah, super ex- oh my god, my costumes are ridiculously expensive um I only wish that the return on the costumes made sense, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I made money um teaching and producing shows producing events as well as performing so you know I've been doing this for almost 18 years so when you did come out going back to the alopecia
0: stuff when you did come out about that how was it received would you say there was any negative pushback was it mostly positive did it change where you got hired and your viewership
1: Well, I was very nervous about it. Um, At the time, I was producing a a regular show in Chicago. And, you know, again, like I'm very aware of the entertainment side of this and knowing that venues expect a certain look and a certain image. And I was terrified that I was going to lose all my jobs because I was like, I know this is not what they're looking for. Like, this is not the classic look. Like I understand that. However, I'm unwilling to change. Um, so I went to everybody, everybody that I worked for, I went to all of them and told them that I was going to come out and this is what was going on. And they were so supportive. It was crazy. Like I did not expect that at all. Um, everybody has, was so supportive. Everybody that I, worked with, you know, I did do you know Lucia Bavum? yes. So I I've been performing with them forever and I, I went to them and I was like, hey, it just you know, this is what's going on. And the producers were so supportive of my decisions because their show was the first show that I performed without a wig. And at Lucha Vavum, Vavum, which is like an audience of 2000 people. And I was like, yeah, that's a good first time. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to warm up. I'm just going to jump right in. Um, that's kind of how I have to do things though. How did it feel? Amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Were you
0: more nervous? I imagine.
1: Um, I don't know. I had a strange sense of calm about it. I really did. And The act that I was doing, it was also a premiere of an act that I call Leatherette, um, which is a full leather corset from like my neck to my knees. Um, it's really amazing outfit. Um, yeah, it just, and is it like open in the back? Oh yeah. You see my butt? It's real cute. Oh, it sounds awesome. Yeah. It's real cute. That's on Vimeo too. (laughs)
0: Okay. Everybody go to Vimeo. Yeah.
1: Forget YouTube. Forget it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's not promote it at all. No. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds fucking spectacular. And for folks who don't know Lucha Vaboom, can you, can you describe what it is? I don't want to not do it justice.
1: Wow. Yeah. Lucha Vaboom is Mexican wrestling and burlesque and comedy. And it is held at the Mayan theater in downtown LA, which
0: hopefully will happen again in person at some point in the future
1: yeah it's i don't know i it's really my most favorite show to do even even considering my own shows like i love doing that show (laughs) it's like i've been with them for a very long time and it's just so fun there's nothing like it
0: agreed it's it's an awesome show so everybody check it out and in the meantime if if and when that's not happening, hopefully they'll be doing virtual stuff, but I know that you were doing the, like, quarantine cabaret, which was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it's actually been really good to do digital content. I've had a great time um, working with that, especially for the uncensored shows, which... Um, Maybe I'll send you some clips of that for your own personal viewing pleasure. Uh, for science, <laughs> yes, for science, all in the <laughs> science. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really fun because now I could work with whoever, wherever in the world, and um, my overhead is not big because I don't have to fly them in and put them up, or do, you know. So it's it's kind of great, but also strange.
0: So how did you go from, like, shameful Christian upbringing to, I want to teach a pussy confidence class? Like, what would you say are the main tenets of, like, gaining your own pussy confidence?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really, um, that's quite a trajectory I I have had now that you say it like that. I'm like, oh, uh uh-huh, that is strange. Um... But
0: well, it sucks that it, it sucks that it feels like two ends of a trajectory. I would love for it to be like I would love for folks to be religious and have pussy confidence. Like we, we've talked about that in some past episodes, so check those ones out. One's called um, uh, "God Invented My Clitoris" um, with uh, Brittany, so check that one out. But yeah, I would love to hear a little bit about yours.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, like so interested in sex, sexuality. I was always dying for sex when I was younger, um, who isn't at that age, you know, but I was so far removed from it just because of like my physical appearance. Um, but within, within that is when I found dance, um, and dancing really made me feel beautiful and brought me out of my shell a little bit. Um, and when I say dance, I'm talking about ballet, jazz, you know, all that kind of classic stuff. Um, and then burlesque just was kind of an accident. And when it happened, it was like, Oh, like this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be showing my butt out in public. Like this is right. Um, and it made me feel so good that I wanted others to feel as good as I did. And, um, you know, of course, as I'm going along, I Lost a little bit of that thing that made me me I kind of forgot that girl who was struggling and I was forced to remember her and I was forced to remember um, all the lessons that I had taught everybody else all of my students I was forced to taught teach them to myself and I really had to relearn and internalize everything that I believe for everybody else for myself. So I had to do that, that internal work. And it was really when I came out, which was two-ish years ago, um, on YouTube, <laughs> it was, it was a video I made called the big reveal. And it was really from that moment on that I fully stepped into myself and allowed myself to discover and rediscover, um, things that I, um, loved and was passionate about, you know, I lost, I lost some of that fire. I lost some of that passion for myself and for the work that I do. And so the past few years, I've just been digging in and like doing that work, doing the hard work and, and getting to the root of my power, my pussy confidence. There I am.
0: But I liked what you said about the discover and rediscover, and I've probably said this in past podcasts, but something I have to remind myself and that I often remind my clients is that self-love, pussy confidence, genital confidence, whatever whatever we're talking about, it's not a goal, at least in my opinion, that you achieve, and then you're there and that's it. Correct. Like, radical self-love and acceptance is... Knowing that this is an ongoing journey and ongoing struggle, and some days are easier than others, and it's a practice and it's ongoing. So just because you know Michelle is teaching this class about pussy confidence, I'm sure there are days and times where you're not feeling it, and you have to discover and rediscover. I know that that's true for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am very honest and upfront with my students about the things that I struggle with, um, the things I have struggled with. Um, I. I really value that honesty and don't want to come across as somebody that's fully formed and like, you can't attain this. Um, I, yes, this journey is ongoing. And I tell my students, you know, just because this is the last day of class, you're not done, right? Like this is just the beginning. Keep working, keep studying, keep journaling, keep meditating. Like there's so much out there and the more reinforcement that we get, the better. And I encourage that, like get it from as many sources as you can, because I know I'm not the only one out there doing this work. I know there's a lot of, um, women's empowerment and goddess groups and like I, and sex, um, like what you're doing, like, There's so much available to us, so many resources, and how lucky are we that we have all this? But it's just taking that first step and getting to that that place where you're like, I'm totally freaked out, but I know that this is right. I know that it's time. And as soon as you make that first commitment to yourself, the rest is easier. But it's, it's that first moment when you're, you're making that choice and, you know, walking through that door or hitting or opening the Zoom link. That's the most important thing. And I treasure that. I, I treasure um, and respect the vulnerability and trust that my students have in me. And I want to do everything I can to honor that.
0: I mean, I imagine I'm a little bit biased as a therapist because I think vulnerability is super sexy. And I don't know, this made me think about the recent, we're recording this recently after coming out day. And so on one hand, I think for some people coming out, whether that be coming out as LGBT, coming out as kinky, coming out as non-monogamous, coming out as having alopecia or having a disability, um, whatever that means to you. And there's a lot of people who can't come out, don't want to come out. It's not part of their like current journey. So I, I wonder without saying, Hey, you should come out. Um, do you have any thoughts or advice for folks who don't want to come out or who are functioning or need to function behind a mask?
1: Right. I mean, the only thing I can say with that is you have to do it in your own time. And I don't mean that flippantly. Um, I really truly mean that I, I had to come to my decision in my time and I had to come to my pussy confidence in my time. It was there for me. It was there for me always. And I knew it and I saw it and I batted at it and I stepped away and I come back and like, it was this game I played for years because I was scared. I was again, like I feared the erotic. Right. And even though I value vulnerability, it's still hard. It's still hard to make that choice, but yes, vulnerability is strength. I mean, that thing that you think is so you're so, you feel so weak and so ashamed of like, that's your superpower. That's it. You know, I I do like, I think about, um, superheroes. There's always this, storyline where they discover that they have this power. They, they they're told that this power is bad. You should hide this power. You should hide away until they realize like, Oh, like this is what makes me special. This is what makes me unique. And, um, so that's, that's how I feel about vulnerability, that that really is your strength and your power. And it's sexy.
0: I agree. Well, I'm, I'm so grateful to you and your vulnerability and I'm sad because we have to start wrapping up and, um, I want people to, to watch your stuff, to hire you, um, to check out all that you're doing and start on their genital confidence journey. Um, so how can people find you and what you're doing?
1: Well, you can go to michellelamore.com. You can follow me on Instagram at michellelamore. And if you want to sign up for class, it's michellelamore.com PC.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, and again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, and you can always email slutsandscholars at gmail.com if you have questions or you want to see a specific topic. And if you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.